Well, hello, all you terrific turkeys out there. Welcome to another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about conservation, nature, and sustainability. I am one of your hosts, Casey, and I am joined. What is my title? Uh, <laughs> I am joined by the other, what is her title, host, uh, Sarah, who is wonderful. And hi, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> hi, happy Thanksgiving Eve. Happy As Thanksgiving of recording. Eve. Yeah. As of recording, this will come out on Black Friday. So happy all the things. <laughs> Stay in or go for a walk and listen to a podcast instead of Black Friday shopping. Yes, agreed. That's your eco-friendly tip of the day. Also, (laughs) I just had to go to the grocery store, not for Thanksgiving-related purposes. There was just like one thing that I forgot that I needed, and so I had to come up with enough things to place a grocery order pickup because I was not about to go in that darn store, and I'm so glad. Like, the pickup lot was full, too, but... I was able to get in and out fairly unscathed, and it was a mad house. So... I have to go later. I'm not excited. I'm sorry. It's going to be fine. It's going to be it's fine. my own fault. I Here, procrastinated. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. Um, hi. How hi. did the homework go? <laughs> uh, homework, did, well, it went well-ish, but I don't have much to show for it as I would have liked. So one of the things that you did that we talked about that would be the the easiest, I guess, and also I just, I think fun was just to look at the moon. And I did, I looked at the moon and uh, it's very easy for me to look at the moon because it's very dark when I go to work. And, but I did have a day, I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was one of those fun, what I call Cheshire Cat Moons, that crescent moon smiling at you. And I just took special note when I got up in the morning and let my dog outside and I'm usually just tired and grumpy. I was like, hey, look, there's the moon. It's so pretty. And I thought I took a picture of it, but I apparently <laughs> failed at that at four o'clock in the morning. It didn't actually take so I will have to try again at the later date to take my own photos of the moon. But I shared some cool photos from space of the moon on our our Facebook. Facebook, thank you. That's the word. I got you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, our Facebook account. So you can check that out there. And you also talked about dark sky parks, dark parks, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, and. I said I thought that I had one nearby, and I do, and I looked into it more. That was a little bit frustrating, too, because in order to be in the park at night, you have to either book a camping site, which I have no camping gear. You've not been camping before, I've never been camping before in my life. I would love to go, but again, I have no supplies, so that is... I will have to acquire those over time to go camping. So I can't do that right now. You can book an astronomy pad, which I also don't have the materials for, or you can be a state park pass holder, which I was like, great, I would be happy to buy a state park pass, but you have to get the family pass. You can't do the individual pass. At least that's what it says on the website. Look, individual people want to go look at the moon too. So I don't yeah. know. I'll I'll have to explore that one further and see if there was a way. But if you get a pass, then they have a like a 
uh, after hours permit thing that you can apply for or something like that. So I'll have to look into that. But my perhaps other solution is just to drive down to that area and not actually go inside the park, but just find a, a place that I can park nearby for, you know, a half an hour and just enjoy the night sky in a dark sky area. So we'll see. That's what I did. I feel like you had more things for homework than I'm not remembering now, but that's that is what I accomplished as far as that goes. I feel like you you nailed it. I don't remember what the other thing was. <laughs> I'm sure it was also another good thing to do. Um but uh it sounds like you nailed it. Taking a picture of the moon's really hard too. So even if you took a picture, I feel like it would have been like a little like fuzzy haloed dot. I do have a dark park. I should actually look up if there's one in New Jersey too, but um, in Pennsylvania, that's about four hours from where I'm at. So it's like not conveniently located, but I do really want to go. And Sarah's family, if you're listening, you just heard what Sarah needs for Christmas this year camping supplies or a or a family pass to the that's what, I, that's what I was actually thinking although I know since they don't live in the same state as me it might be harder for them to gift it but uh yeah my the that park is two and a half hours away also so it's not it's not super duper convenient just on any given night but it's doable oh when I googled New Jersey it's just sent me to Sky Zone trampoline parks oh, <laughs> instead not, of dark sky not parks. The same thing. <laughs> Don't go there to look at the not moon. quite. Yeah, not from the moon at least. All right, Sarah, what are we talking about today? So we are. It's Thanksgiving week. It's we've been busy. We've had a lot going on. Uh, we're going to talk about turkeys today. It's heck yeah. Just we're just going right on the nose with this one. I actually had a little deja vu. I thought we had done this last year, but apparently we didn't. So we're gonna do it this year. So Casey, yeah, easy enough to start off with. I'm just curious, what are you doing for Thanksgiving this year? What are your Thanksgiving plans? And and are any of is do you have like any traditions that you do with your family? Oh, good question. Um I think the closest thing that we have to a tradition is my dad's side of the family doesn't actually do Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. Hmm. So um, I, I lived out of state for like five or six years there. So I didn't spend Thanksgiving with my family because uh, we would go home for Christmas instead. So as an adult, not really. But this year we're going to go to my mom's side on Thanksgiving and then we have rechristened um, the other side's Thanksgiving as Schmidt's giving. And so Great. we'll do that on Sunday. And I have been assigned to cook meals. Um, one is roasted vegetables, one is stuffing, neither of which have I ever attempted before. And I think I can do it. But also I have been uh, very low energy recently and therefore I have not purchased all the materials needed for these dishes. So that's why I have to go to the grocery store soon. I have full confidence in you, but also if it were me, I would just go to the store and buy a prepared <laughs> dish. So that's what I'm this okay, this won't be a spoiler because it'll be after. So my grandpa's birthday is on um <laughs> is on Thanksgiving this year. Um it's always floating around then, but he loves pie. And so we're doing like a big everybody big supply thing. Not me. I made a pumpkin pie one year when we were living in Indy and I did not do it right. And there was like a egg white like cooked yeah. into I it. I remember you told me. <laughs> and so I'm going to buy a pie. I'll cook the veggies, but I'm going to buy a pie. 
Excellent. Excellent choice. I support that. Not that I don't fully believe you could make a great pie, (laughs) but I definitely would be buying a pie as well. What do you do? You're not close to home either. I'm not close to home. And I, I've i spent a lot of holidays away from home at this point. I'm actually not working tomorrow. That's just the way that it fell. And so I, people, I think, feel sad about this. They feel like they need to invite me to do things. But I'm just, I actually enjoy it very much, especially because I've been so busy and so social the past several weeks, really. I am well I'm gonna edit a podcast first of all but I'm gonna watch the parade I'm gonna watch the dog show I'm gonna stay home all day in my pajamas I have things to make the drop biscuits that my mom always makes that I love except I did realize I'm gonna be using soy milk instead of dairy milk so okay how that works because I just realized I don't have you know dairy milk in the house anymore so uh we'll see about that but yeah i just am very excited i may or may not bust out the christmas decorations i still haven't figured out what i'm gonna do about my tree because oh, yeah. my dog thinks that he's outside when that christmas oh, tree no. is up so <laughs> uh we'll figure that out but those yeah i would say those are kind of the the traditions that we would have and that i would do if i was home with family we would have the parade on uh we would put up our start putting up the christmas decorations in the afternoon and we would of course have our meal for those listening not in the United States, you may or may not know, turkey is the tr- sort of traditional meal at Thanksgiving, and yeah, that is that is what we would have, and I did buy myself a TV dinner, like a microwave dinner of turkey and mashed potatoes, <laughs> which again, people think sounds sad, and I'm like, hey, I am going to make my dinner in five minutes. You have fun with your five <laughs> hours of your turkey baking, but... Uh, but I did want to, you know, bring a, a little bit of that tradition to my to my solo holiday. So I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow. And uh, we're going to talk about turkeys here in a, in a moment. So stick around for that. Right. We're talking turkey today. I hope that everybody listening had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving, if that is a holiday that you celebrate. And I, I would guess that a lot of people who do celebrate Thanksgiving, that's sort of the main, if you say turkey, that's what's going to pop into your brain is a turkey on the table, a turkey that you go and buy from the grocery store. But we actually are going to focus on the wild turkey today. So, Casey, I'm curious, do you see wild turkey where you are? Have you seen turkeys out and about in the wild much? Uh, I don't want to say much. I have seen wild turkeys. I've seen them in my backyard before at my dad's house. Um, We see them in the woods at the store sometimes. Um, It's like always kind of exciting when you see them. Because there's just generally a flock. It's not just like you're seeing like one random scraggly bird. You're like, oh, no, there's a whole gaggle of them. 
and that's pretty cool. So yes, but I don't like it's an event. When it's you an see event. Them. Okay, I, for me here in Florida, it, it's actually no longer an event, I, and I okay. I still get excited when I see them. I just think it's fun, but I see them frequently. I would say that I've seen them probably three times, maybe within the past week. Oh, nice. uh, and I've seen them uh, the, the other week when I was running the race, they were walking across the street at our resort. And I, so I see them around my workplace pretty regularly. We'll see flocks walking around. So wild turkeys are a bird that are native to North America. Today, they're actually found in every state except Alaska, although they are more common if you're living in the eastern half of the United States, you're more likely to see them. But they are found in 49 of the 50 states. They're found in parts of Mexico and in Canada. These birds were brought, Europeans brought turkeys back from Mexico to Europe. They were domesticated and then later European settlers also brought those domesticated turkeys back with them. I bring this up because this was a thing that I didn't know and had never heard before. And I looked at pictures and it's very true. But one of the ways that you can differentiate some breeds of domestic turkey from the wild turkey is that they have white tipped tails. Huh. I don't really know why. There are lots of breeds of Oh, domesticated yeah. turkey, the ones that we're eating most commonly are that don't look anything like wild turkeys. There's no uh, mixing them up. The the domesticated ones are like all white, basically. But there are one or two breeds of domestic turkeys that look almost exactly like their wild counterparts, except they have these white tips along their tail feathers. So fun fact for you. Um, and just to to go in a little bit on those domesticated or farmed turkeys as well. The United States just happens to be the largest turkey producer and exporter. There are about 215 million turkeys across 2,500 farms in the United States. I also learned that Indiana is one of the top eight turkey producing states in the country. <laughs> so there you go. Who knew? I lived there most of my life. Uh, didn't know we were so into turkeys there. So Casey, when you see those birds in the wild, when you've seen wild turkeys, where do you see them usually? What are they doing? Uh, they're hanging out foraging on the ground. You might see them kind of like hop up into the lower branches of a tree. You don't typically see them like flying like geese or anything like that. You see them walking on around the ground. Yeah, yeah and that's always where i've seen them i've never seen a turkey in a tree i have never seen a turkey fly i would love to see both of those things because it happens they are flighted birds but they do tend to spend most of their time on the ground when you would see them go up into trees would usually be the lower branches in the evening when they're going to roost for the night but yeah usually you'll see them in groups walking around forested areas near yeah. open areas is kind of where they're going to hang out um, for the most part but apparently they can also swim i looked up a video awkward you know, looking yeah i saw a video of an <laughs> owl swimming this week too what? and i was like this is uh yeah it's it doesn't look graceful but it is impressive because it's yeah. not like they're floating on a whole lot of fat there <laughs> like they're they're have to do some work 
Yeah, their the body was mostly submerged actually in the video. So you basically just see this sort of long neck kind of jutting <laughs> jutting forward. Um but uh, but they do swim. They kind of tuck their wings in and spread their tail out and kick those little turkey legs and and they can do some swimming. So that was kind of fun. Um, like I said, they they do seem to be fairly social. So I definitely see them in large groups when I see them. And outside of breeding season, you'll actually see all male flocks. So you'll see lots oh, of males to together. And then females with their young, generally speaking, outside of breeding season. And they are typically, like you said, foraging, looking for food. They'll eat a little bit of everything, but mostly plant material. And they're going for things like nuts and seeds but they'll also eat things like insects and even other small mammals to uh to kind of round out their diet so turkeys are pretty distinctive they're interesting looking animals i would say (laughs) so you've seen them casey how would you describe turkeys what are what are some of their features that stand out to you well, I think if you're thinking in your brain about maybe the picture of the turkey on like Thanksgiving napkins where it's like this really big round mm-hmm. kind of bird with a giant tail feathers out, mm-hmm. I believe that is like a male domesticated turkey. Typically when you see them in the wild, they are scrawny. They're very like sleek and streamlined. They've got fairly long legs, kind of like a chicken does. But I think that the most dis- distinctive thing about them is their head because it's not entirely feathered um and you called them interesting looking they do have like that i'm sure it's not called a waddle it's called a dewlap uh, <laughs> it is called a waddle i oh okay. you, you can call it so you some of you listening might be familiar with the term dewlap as that kind of flappy thing below the neck i kind of think of it more often in lizards you'll see lizards that okay, have yeah. a dewlap that sticks out so but th- that's yeah it, it is called a waddle that is a correct term that floppy bit under yep. their chin yep. yeah so we don't really have any other birds around here that have that going on so i feel like if you first see them i don't like it just doesn't register as thanksgiving to me <laughs> i they genuinely look like an interesting wild bird yeah, I mean, they look sort of like a larger, like a guinea fowl type thing. If yeah. you've ever seen those, they look like a larger version of that. However, I will say that that sort of classic Thanksgiving photo with the, the mm-hmm. tail spread and all of that, not just domesticated. The domesticated ones, yes. especially the males, are bred to be larger. Um, yeah. So they are much bit like those I was reading can be over 30 pounds, which is bigger than you would find a turkey in the wild. But a male turkey that is displaying yes. is going to look very much like that because it's so funny to look at them when they're sort of all relaxed because they are very streamlined looking and they do kind of look scrawny compared to what your image of a turkey is going to be but then when those males show off they fluff it's amazing how much they can kind of fluff out so they do get that kind of bigger rounder appearance uh, and they'll fan that tail out a la peacock style uh without all of those uh, bright colors um so it is pretty impressive i always think of i said interesting i think of turkeys as being kind of weird looking birds but if you really look at those pictures especially of those males uh kind of strutting around they kind of spread their wing feathers out and make themselves look all big and and proud uh it is kind of cool they're 
they are kind of pretty. I can see it. Those featherless heads are uh, a little bit odd looking to me, um, but they are pretty impressive. So they do have a number of features that are tend to be more prevalent on the males and are generally used to to kind of show off a little bit. So we'll run through that. We did talk about the head being featherless and it can kind of change color a little bit. The skin around their head and neck will kind of change color. Okay. Depending I was on... going to be like, it's blue or it's red, but I then was like not confident about either of those. Go, answers, yeah, so no, you're right. Out, yeah. But, yeah. And you can okay, see Casey, I threw, threw some pictures on, on our little document for you. And we'll of course post some uh, to our social media at some point too, but you can look them up on your own, but you can kind of see that blue and red where the that male is, is in full display right there, uh, which is pretty cool. So that'll change a little bit, and it's just a way for them to show off. The females are going to be a little uh, less brightly colored. Another thing that I didn't know, but you can kind of see sort of on the photo there, that males have what are called beards, which is basically a weird long patch of feathers that's on the male's chest it's not right up under their beak or anything where that dewlap is where we would maybe think of a beard being but it's just this little coarse patch of feathers it looks like a weird little like horse's mane sticking yeah, out and of the that apparently it. is what it feels like that's kind oh. of the texture that it's described as having is a horse's tail hair and again, it apparently is just a way for them to show off. I didn't come across really any other purpose. Okay, they can grow to be over 10 inches long. You're a really I think good, these, these healthy boys male. Are, are trying real hard. Real hard. Real hard. There's a lot going on. Like, it's not just like, oh, look how big and feathery I get. It's like, I've got that and I change color in my yep. face and I've got this beard coming down. And my, my like, tail and my, and my tail and strut and right. Yeah. My snood or whatever yeah. it is. Okay. Yes. yes. Can we on. talk about the snood? Okay. I guess. So we first of all, we you mentioned the waddle, uh, which is yes. like that dewlap. So that's that flap underneath the skin that we probably think of. It's probably also not as impressive. Like in my head, I imagine the the waddle being super long. But what you're actually just seeing is more of that turkey's neck. Um, and they have this kind of bumpy, fleshy skin. They're uh, called caruncles, those sort of fleshy bumps that grow around. I'm going back to my weird-looking thoughts now. It is weird-looking. Uh, but that's more of what you're seeing there. Um, but the they do have that waddle. And then they also have a fleshy thing <laughs> above their beak two that kind of hangs down around the beak from the top at the base of their beak that is called a snood and i cannot wait for snood to be the wordle <laughs> uh, tomorrow's wordle i got, it's gonna be my first guess of the day <laughs> just in case i'll tell you that there's the only one in the uh, world who gets snood on the first guess well that's just Tip for the rest of you. Keep in mind, S-N-O-O-D. That's a word for your future wordling needs. Um, I have no idea what this nude does. Quite honestly, I didn't research it that hard, but it just gives me such joy to know that it's there. I don't care for it. <laughs> I, I, I like the name, 
but yes, I don't like that's really why I like it too. But I, I would guess, I would use my educated guess to say that it's just some other way that they show off. I don't know. Uh, and males also, well, both males and females also have what are called spurs, which are these bony spikes on the back of their legs. Again, males are going to be bigger than females, and apparently. That is something that they will use to spar with other males. I did also watch some videos of male turkeys in the wild fighting. Uh, I did not see them use their spurs. If you've ever had a rooster, yeah, they have those and they are nasty if you get caught with one. Eek. Yeah. So, so yes, those are genuine weapons. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Thanks for the tip. Uh, good You're welcome. I believe my dad has actually so when I was a kid we used to have a lot more farm animals at, at our store and we had a turkey and I guess my dad was in a feud with this turkey because it oh. like got him real real bad so that turkey was Thanksgiving later oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so. your dad was like I'll one up you yeah yeah he's like you want to get me because I guess it got him in the forearm pretty bad with the spur and he was like mm-hmm. I mean that's no joke really Ouch. yeah it's nice. no joke and um but yes this is what it's like to be a almost farm kid <laughs> there you go um so we also had a run in with a turkey at a zoo, like a petting yard at a zoo I remember my sister got bit by a turkey she, she just had her head her hand I think resting on the fence and it just Got, got her. her so don't approach do not approach your... <laughs> appreciate from afar yeah, that's a good rule of thumb for all wildlife so anyway they are uh they do have a lot of interesting traits uh they also have a distinctive calls noises that they make the gobble gobble it's not a joke that is more or less a sound again that mostly those males will make during uh breeding season to attract the females but they make lots of other sounds too i feel like i saw somewhere that they they have about 29 different vocalizations i did not link to the article so don't quote me 100 if i find it again i i will post it but even if you just go to the audubon or the merlin bird id sites you can hear some audio of several different types of calls that they make which is kind of interesting so they're pretty cool birds if you ever get a chance to spot one in the wild and i the other thing that i think is cool about them to to talk about that maybe is not as much known is that the wild turkey is actually considered a conservation success story here in the United States and that may not be as well known just because it was not in our lifetime you know that I think again you talked about how seeing wild turkeys is kind of an event so it's fun they're not super common to see everywhere but there's never been a time in our lives where we felt like there were not enough turkeys around. Does that make sense? Like their, their population yeah, we weren't like building nest boxes right. for turkeys or yeah, there there's a hunting season for turkeys in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. So this was more of a thing back in the late 1800s, the early 1900s, things were not so great for the wild turkey back then. And what are our two often big problems when it comes to, endangered species what are some of the big factors loss of habitat 
and for some species overhunting. And those were the big things for the turkey. Of course, indigenous folks to North America, turkeys were a really important food supply for them. But European settlers basically just decimated turkey numbers. Uh, Their population fell as low estimated to around 30,000. Which, for a, a little bit of perspective, it's hard to compare across species and, and all of that type of thing. But that's sort of on par with our current estimates for polar bear populations being around 30,000. I think actually polar bears is maybe a little bit less than that now. But uh, And if we look at another bird that we know of as a conservation success story here, uh, the bald eagle now has a population estimate of over 300,000 which even though they are a success story, we know that we were we want those numbers to build even further back up. So 30,000 is a pretty low number. Well, especially when you think about the size of their range. Like right. if you had 30,000 turkeys in the state of Pennsylvania alone, that might feel like something that was a sustainable population. But when you think about how widespread they are, like that's a, right. that's not very many. <laughs> and to put it that even more into perspective, that it's not very many for this particular species, the population today is estimated at over 7 million turkeys. Dang. So we've come a long way. I'm going to do some math. So the population today is 233 times the population that it was back then. Wow. Yeah. So we have we have gotten back to a, a good spot. And I think it, like something worth mentioning, because you were talking about how difficult it is to compare across species, mm-hmm. is that um, the higher up the food chain you go, the less animals that there are because of the amount of like energy it takes to support them. Yes. This is a prey species and a social prey species. It's not like one turkey per square mile that you can accommodate. Like they're hanging out together. So there should be a lot more turkeys than there are bald eagles because that's where they exist in the ecosystem. For sure. So I always think it's cool to to think about our, our conservation success stories and look at how we got there. And so a few things, there did have to be some kind of cooperation between hunters, also conservationists, not that conservationists was a term or a thing that would have been thought about back then, but outdoor folks. And that really, a lot of that was from hunters, actually, uh, and working with the government. So it's kind of two sides of the coin. We'll do, I'm sure, an episode that looks more at hunting at some point, because there's a lot to talk about there. Unregulated hunting, we just said, was part of the problem. But hunters in general are not going to want to destroy the population of game. And oftentimes, hunters do feel a connection to the outdoors and wildlife and uh, and do want to protect that. So part of what happened with this was a, a, something called the Pittman-Robertson Wildlife Rest- Restoration Act. And this very simplified. Basically, it is a, a tax on firearms and ammunition that goes to support wildlife and habitat management. And so apparently, my understanding anyway, is there was an existing tax on firearms and ammunition, but they basically changed where that tax was going to. So they are, they moved to using that tax to support programs to help protect and restore habitats and species in the wild 
they also talked about the Great Depression as actually being a factor that helped turkeys to come back by helping them retake some habitat as people unfortunately had to abandon farms and things like that. Habitat eventually became more suitable for those turkeys to come back. And then a big thing that you'll read about with this as well were trap and release programs. And I thought this was kind of interesting because they did talk about how there were attempts to take and release farm-raised birds, and it pretty much failed completely. Um, I found a National Wild Turkey Federation bulletin that gave some numbers. So it was basically looking at the success of both pen-raised or game farm turkeys and wild trapped birds in this sort of trap and release program. And it said about 30,000 wild trapped birds released on 968 sites resulted in 808 established populations, over 330,000 pen-raised birds released on almost 800 sites resulted in 760 failures. So we're getting, we're getting 808 established populations from 968 sites with the wild trapped birds. Which is like an 80% success rate. And 760 failures out of 800 sites on the (laughs) That's about a 95% fail rate. (laughs) Crazy. And I I point that out just as, and there wasn't a whole lot of detail that I found as to all of the reasons why that is. I don't know if we know things mentioned such as just the inability to deal with weather or predator avoidance of being, you know, those types of really just not understanding how to be a turkey kind of from those those pen raised birds. But who knows, you know, what the the issues might be all in all. But I, I point that out just as something to think about for folks who might ask about that today. Like, oh, well, why don't we do this with endangered species? Why, why don't we just take all of the animals from oh, yeah. zoos, for example, and put them back out in the wild? There's a lot of reasons why... These types of things can work for some species in some settings and depending on how you do things. But those those numbers were just such a stark difference. I thought that that was really interesting. So basically, they tried to do this farm uh, release, release of these farm birds. That didn't work. But they did find success with taking birds from one area and reintroducing populations in other areas and getting them to spread that way. So that was a program that that played a big role in getting these numbers to go up. So hunting regulations, fund, funding programs, and doing those trap and release kind of got turkeys back on track and to the success where we know today. Whereas, like you said, Casey, there are hunting seasons for, for turkeys pretty pretty regularly in lots of places now i feel like it'd be a little scary to see like a 30 pound male turkey like sitting in a tree above you (laughs) i mean i'm sure that's part of the reason it was harder for them to succeed is this like big old slow meaty bird well i don't know yeah well first of all they probably weren't that big oh at the time sure sure yeah yeah they hadn't, hadn't bred them that large then and i don't know if they 
I don't know. I'm not sure if at what age they released them and all, sure. all of those types of things. But yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> one part of my brain was like, oh, what a good idea. Then we could like, have like bigger birds for hunters. You know, it's going to go oh, yeah. farther for food. That's like a very small part of my brain. And then the other part was like, from a conservation perspective, the like <laughs> introduction of diseases. Yes, and that the, was another big like concern about that for sure. Interbreeding of like gene mixing and issues with that, which we've talked about with invasive cat species where they've mixed with some like other species of cats throughout the world and diluted that population. Yeah, there's lots of issues with that, but that's really interesting that they tried it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's, I don't, I don't have a, a whole lot more than that. I just think it was fun to take a little closer look at the wild version of those birds that we're so used to seeing on the table for our Thanksgiving dinner. And like I said, I always love a good conservation success story. So it's kind of fun that those, those birds are one that we might not have even realized that we get to see running around our areas today. Yeah, and I see that you have something here about my favorite Philadelphian, Mr. Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> yeah, I well, uh, is he your favorite Philadelphian? I think so. <laughs> really? Okay. Did, have you heard the uh, this sort of connection or this story about Ben Franklin and turkeys? Oh yes, I know. I like. I actually was going to bring it up as if it was fact, and then I went to go fact check myself, <laughs> not even seeing that you had put this in the outline, and ended up on one of the same websites that you've sourced it here because I knew that he said something about turkeys, but not what we thought it was. Well, I mean, he kind of. So the story is that Ben Franklin wanted the turkey as the national symbol of the United States instead of the bald eagle which is delightful in some ways but this is a thing that i have seen shared as fact uh yeah. just you know on the social medias and all of that and let me read you his quote about bald eagles because he did not care for them he said the bald eagle is a bird of bad moral character he does not get his living honestly he is too lazy to fish for himself because they are largely scavengers yep <laughs> So that's what's kind of funny. You can see. So that, long story short, there are different uh, sort of views that folks can take. He did write this in a letter to his daughter, was it? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So there is a letter where, yes, Ben Franklin does say that he wishes the turkey would have been the symbol of the country instead of the bald eagle. Most, including the, the Franklin Institute says, like, this is not actually a serious thing. Like, he did not actually propose the turkey to be the natural national bird. He submitted his own, you know, there were a few people that, like, submitted different design suggestions for the symbol of the United States, and his did not include birds at all. Uh, so there's no actual, like, true serious proposal put forth by benjamin franklin to make the turkey the national bird a couple of history experts that i saw quoted in various places were like he this he was joking like this this letter was is funny like that he yeah. was writing to his daughter which i think it's funny when i read it um so I just think it's funny because it's also like a it's little true yes so you can, you'll also find some nature-based websites, like I think maybe even the Nature Conservancy did a thing on it. I can't remember that for sure either, but you'll find some folks talking about that, some nature-based organizations 
pointing this out around this time of year and saying, hey, like, here's the story. Here's, you know, it's not fully accurate, but here's what he really did right. And here's why it's kind of funny because he's not really wrong (laughs) about some of these things. But the way he describes both the turkey and the bald eagle, it's it's fantastic. So the letter's worth a read. I'll have some articles linking about it. Um, If you would like to explore more about this quasi-myth that makes the rounds, just a reminder to do your research before you post things as as fully factual. But this was kind of where you say things on your podcast. (laughs) We do our best. Look, no, everybody Hey, I just did it. That's why uh, I was like, I'm going to make best. sure I'm right. And then, yeah, yeah. but I do kind of want to, okay, I want to read a short quote that he does say about the turkey because I think it's a cool thing to end on because it, he, you know, basically what he was saying is that the, um, the original design for the bald eagle looked more like a turkey too. <laughs> and so he said, the turkey is a much more respectable bird. And with all a true original native of America, he is besides, though a little vain and silly, a bird of courage. And I love that. There you go. <laughs> I also kind of think that's good for America. <laughs> we can be a little vain and silly, but we are birds of courage, too. We are too. birds of courage. <laughs> there you go. And on that note, uh, stick around and we'll give you your challenges for the week. Should you be courageous enough to accept them? All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Again, for those who celebrate it, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you hope you had a great week wherever and whenever you're listening from as well, because maybe you're listening in June. And if so, we're glad to have you. Uh, but we do want to give you a, a couple of challenges here to go with our discussion on turkeys. You don't really have to be courageous at all to do these, because in fact, I am just going to reiterate what we said earlier is you you shouldn't approach wild turkeys. And in fact, uh, please don't try to feed them if you live in an area where you have wild turkeys because it's not good. We've talked about this. We had a whole episode on not feeding wildlife and turkeys are no uh, exception to that. It can increase d- disease transmission like we talked about that's that's a concern whenever you're causing animals to gather in one place we've had issues with avian influenza and other things here recently and turkeys are a part of that as well uh you may not be giving them food that's best for them and it's gonna increase aggression behavior amongst the turkeys and potentially amongst the turkeys and you and casey and i have both shared you don't want to get hit by one of those spurs, guys. Like, you don't. Just take a picture with your phone at a respectable distance and be like, I got to see some turkeys today. And that's that's good enough. That's right. And if They're you live it, in an area that has some land around you and you want to attract some turkeys, you can plant some native trees, some, some seed and nut bearing trees and see if you can get some turkeys foraging naturally in your area and that's pretty cool and i'll link to a resource about that as well so that's challenge number one challenge number two is we've also talked on this podcast before about being inspired uh and keeping the hope alive in conservation and i do think that remembering conservation success stories 
is a part of that. So if you live in North America, you just heard about one from your area tonight. My challenge to you, again, wherever you are, is to go find another one. Find another example of a, and I, I'm going to go specifically with the species conservation uh, success story for this one. Obviously, there are lots of other types of success stories, but specifically a species that has recovered that is from around your area, however you want to define your area to be, whether that's your state or your country or whatever. But see if you can find another conservation success story that you were not perhaps familiar with before and read a little bit about that and how it came to be. Sarah, if the good folks want to share their turkey photos or tell us their turkey stories and how they're not feeding them out in the wild, <laughs> where can they reach us? They can reach us all over. Uh, no offense, I don't. I don't want to see your Thanksgiving dinner turkeys. Oh yeah. So yeah, if you want to share wild turkey photos, I'll have to see if I have any that I will share. If I do, but uh, you can find us everywhere. We're on Facebook, a little greener podcast. We're on Instagram at a little greener pod. We're on Twitter at a greener podcast. We're on YouTube. We're just, I think we're just a little greener podcast there, actually. I don't look at it that often, but you can comment on our videos if you want to, or you can just enjoy the podcast with subtitles if you need to. And you can email us at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. Have a safe holiday season, everybody. We will be back yeah. next week with another episode, but we hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving if you celebrate it. <laughs> because if you aren't from the US, then you're, you're, you're not like, doing okay, that. we get it. <laughs> yeah, okay, turkey's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.